Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to Channel Journeys. Thank you for listening. Hey, Channel Journeys hit another milestone this month, over 20,000 listens to the podcast. For me, that's a big number. I know for a lot of podcasts, that's nothing, but uh, for Channel Journeys, it's pretty exciting. It took us 19 months to get to the first 10,000 listens, only 12 months to get to the next 10,000, and I'd like to hit the next 10,000 in six months, get to the 30,000 mark in the next six months. So please get the word out about Channel Journeys, share it with your channel friends, post it and share it on your social media, and leave a review. That would really help drive attendance as well. I want to thank my sponsor, Magentrix. They are experts in creating web and partner portals. They have full integration to your CRM system, and they offer the ability to build out a feature-rich PRM in really in record time. It's just amazing what you can do with their system. Building in all the key elements that you need in your partner program, all those key things that we talk about in Channel Journeys and what we're going to talk about today in terms of incentives and rewards. You can also build in, of course, deal registration, quoting, dynamic content delivery, incentive tracking, even gamification, and and many more things. You really have to check them out. Last episode, I had Paul Bird, the portal wizard from Magentrix, on the show, and we talked about finding the right channel partners, which must be a very important and popular topic. There were over 1,200 listens in just the first week, so that was fantastic. Today, we have another great show on a topic that I find super interesting Chris Westfall is the VP of Channels and Alliances at Paylocity, and he has built out a partner referral program that really, really works. And what's really cool about it is that he is offering non-cash rewards that really motivate his referral partners and influencers to recommend Paylocity to their customers. Wait till you hear how he did it. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Chris, good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, excellent. Thanks for joining us. Um, looking forward to the conversation. So just to kick things off, let's talk a little bit about Paylocity, where you are the head of channels and alliances. And, and for folks that don't know your company, give us a, the elevator pitch of what you guys do. Okay, great. So we, as the name suggests, payroll is where the business got started. But uh, today we have a complete human capital management software suite plus payroll plus a lot of new types of modules that are frankly new, new to the market in a lot of ways. So if you roll it all up in large part, you could think of it as sort of a modern workforce solution intended to help organizations you know, recruit, develop, and manage their talent over time and do so in ways that you know, we're seeing today where you've got dis- dispersed workforces. Uh, so we have a lot of collaboration and employee engagement capabilities in the product that help us uh, engage those workforces regardless of where they're located to help companies of all types manage their engagement with employees. What I tell you also is that we've put a renewed focus and and special focus on actually measuring that engagement because if the whole point of having this system is to pay and engage and manage and, and work with employees over time to help a business get where it wants to, you certainly want to be able to measure that. And so mm-hmm. that's a new comp- sort of focus of ours that's that's taken root. But we serve businesses 
here in the United States. We're uh, strictly a US-based company, approaching 30,000 clients. Most of our clients are in the mid-market, meaning in that sort of 50 to 500 employee count range. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of, of new clients coming on board below that and above that. It's been fun. We're headquartered in Chicago and business is uh, thriving, really going well. Nice. And when did you guys get started? When were you founded? Founded almost 20 years ago and, okay. and started as the first cloud-based payroll system, actually. So that's where the business really got going. And about a, a decade or more ago, transitioned into this broader HCM suite. And a little over five years ago, the company went public and has grown over 20% year over year since. So it's been quite a ride. Nice, nice. So the company's based in Chicago and you're hunkered down in the Denver area? That's right. Live in the Denver area and uh, it's an easy two-hour flight to, to our headquarters in Chicago. And, you know, as, as the partner guy, uh, you know, and, and in fact, this is true for my whole team, we're located everywhere except Chicago. We're, we're lo- located coast to coast uh, to support our work with partners in all regions and it's been fun given that the, the partners are in all regions uh, with the rarest of exceptions. Nice. Are you guys traveling yet to go out and visit with partners or, or customers? You know, we're just putting our toe in the water. In fact, later today, I've got my first trip to Chicago since last summer where, where we'd done a virtual sales kickoff. And, and so, yeah, I, on a limited basis and on a voluntary basis, we're starting to get back out. I think we'll see that ramp up over the course of the summer and coinciding with a lot of folks having kids go back to school. We expect to be on a, on a voluntary basis, have a, a much more significant presence in our office locations. We just got the green light this morning at OutSystems for the U.S. to travel. So, okay, great. Yeah, Congrats. yeah. Very excited about that. And, and uh, on the marketing call I was just on, sounds like 20 to 30% of our marketing events in Q3 will be live events. So we're, we're getting back there. We have a number of those as well, in fact. In August, we've got a sales leadership event that'll take place with about 100 folks. So it's, you know, we're, I think we're feeling comfortable with the progression of things. Of course, you know, that could change and we'll, we'll adjust if needed. But in the meantime, you know, using that modern workforce solution and a lot of the technology uh, like Zoom and whatnot, we're, we're managing to get through. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us about your channel. What kind of channel do you have today? Sounds like just looking at your website, you've got a pretty diverse ecosystem. Yeah, we do. Thank you. We have a, uh, a channel that's different than ones that I've worked in the past. So I've worked in a variety of industries, automotive, healthcare, education, and, and in each of those cases, a lot of the partners, channel partners in particular, would be like a system integrator or some sort of technology consulting organization or what have you. So they're people familiar with the vernacular of what we talk about in terms of channels. And we have a little bit of that. But in all honesty, what we've done is we've built the bulk of our partner network with organizations who care about what we do. And that's meant that we've ended up with, with, with a, a different sort of variety. So for example, the health benefits space, benefit brokerages that provide employers with health benefits and, and, and broker access to those through the, with the carriers. Or on the financial side, that when, when you have a 401k benefit, for example, provided through a financial advisor, and then the record keepers and investments, investment management firms upstream from them, those are two big ecosystems for us in terms of our referral network and partner network. Are they like a, an insurance agent, insurance broker that you think of? That's exactly right. 
be selling employee benefit, uh, and, you know, your, your health care, your, your dental plan, your vision plan, your medical plan. And then on the retirement side, it's the, it's the 401k. And they care about payroll and HCM because, A, you can get access to the funds that, that you want to, you know, offset or disperse from an employee's pay and handle the matching using the payroll backbone for the employers. So that's that's number one. Number two is, is that broader HCM and engagement platform that we have allows those organizations themselves to stay engaged with employees and the employer over the course of the year. So they care about what we do. And we found that really fertile ground to develop our referral network. Um, and that last part I'll, I'll highlight for you is that um, unlike a resale channel, this is very much influencer and referral based. And it's been one that's worked well for us in that uh, we have a large direct sales force here domestically. We've got 500 sellers out there. And so what we're trying to do is augment that and, and create sort of an annuity by providing access to organizations that have existing installed bases that need our capabilities and that matter to them. 500 sellers? Yeah. That's a big sales team. It is a big sales team. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And are they, do you have a combination of like inside sales and field sales? Uh, we do. Uh, inside is newer for us and isn't as uh, significant. The vast majority are outside sellers based in metro areas all across the country. Interesting. And are all of your sales direct or do you have any sales that are actually being sold through the channel? Um, we do have some resale through the channel. It's very limited. Um, I would say that we've generally not been super favorable on it because we, we think we do a good job getting access to all the opportunities we need to with our direct sellers, admittedly augmented by that referral network that we've been developing. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward, I can, I can tell you more about how that's gone, but in large part, it's, it's created the level of access that our direct sellers need. And we found other ways to uh, make those relationships really durable and meaningful to both parties, even though there's not a financial transaction between the two of us. When Chris, when you were mapping out your, your partner strategy, were you looking at it from the lens of looking at the customer and what do they need from the channel or from the partner ecosystem? Or was it more looking at your direct sellers and what they needed from the ecosystem? Um, so in all honesty, we did a little of both. In the case of the, the referrals that, that our sales team had, had sort of fostered over the course of the years, in fact, when I, this, this is the first thing I did when I walked in the door here uh, two and a quarter years ago, is we did an NPS survey of all of those contacts. So we sent out that survey to about 40,000 contacts out of our CRM system and asked them, what are we doing well? What are we doing poorly in Blue Sky? If, if we could do anything for you, what would that be? And, and, and then, of course, you know, we asked the NPS question, you know, would you refer us to a friend or colleague? And, and so we got a baseline score to kind of barometric pressure test, you know, or how, how, how do these people think about us? And, and part two, it gave us this rich laundry list of what they thought a good partnership would look like or what we needed to fix. And so that was, that was the first major step we took. And we, and we basically did a lot of analysis against that body of data and determined what are the areas that we needed to assemble our partner program to, to resemble. Um, in addition to that, from a client standpoint, we had a lot of clients who do work with those organizations. And what we see 
when we're implementing clients is they often invite them to be part of the process because they need their help setting up the system on their side, answering questions, making sure they get it right so that their employees can take advantage of those benefits being provided by those organizations. So we were also getting a pretty clear signal from the customers. And in fact, Rob, what that's done over time is it's helped us identify additional channel partner categories that we should focus on and prioritize and build programs for because the customers are sort of voting with their feet. They're telling us who they'd like us to focus on and prioritize. And that's uh, so that's been helpful as well. What are those categories that you're looking at? Um, So for the first time in a pretty significant way, looking at ISVs, Mm -hmm. uh, software vendors, uh, you know, while we have an all-in-one suite with, you know, a significant number of modules, the, there are always cases where someone may want something different for some reason. They may have a, a specialty, you know, time and labor scheduling need that is more advanced than what we can provide them. And so we want to be able to support integration to that because the customers are asking for it. And so that's kind of what's led us to different categories of ISVs. And then the other most obvious category of late has been consultancies, organizations that are, you know, doing HR, HR technology, and other types of consulting to these organizations. And and we see a lot of those out on the market that our clients work with. And so we've done a, a significant amount of work to develop a program that supports their needs and interests. And is that also a referral program? Or are you looking at at more of a services type partner there? Um, it, it is referral, but what we're doing is putting more skin in the game around the training and enablement to help those organizations be expert at our product suite so that they can do exactly as you described, develop services on their side that can they can monetize and support engagement with the clients. Gotcha. Okay. So you've mentioned referrals a lot and you've got a different sort of channel than a lot of us have, but what a lot of us aren't good at are referrals. And that's what I really wanted to hone in on with you when I heard you mention referrals the other day, I think it was at the, uh, the BAPTI event, yes, and which was a great event. So there are two types of referral programs that you have going on at Paylocity that I noticed. One is a customer referral model. Mm-hmm. And I saw on your website, customers can get some benefits if they refer Paylocity to another customer. Yes, that's correct. And, and then the other one is the one, the one we've been talking about. So on the former, we try to... to, to you know, sort of encourage uh, clients to refer to, to other opportunities to us. We, you know, we, we invest a lot, you know, a lot of, of the way this business was built was on a really strong commitment to having great technology and great service in combination. And, and so we try to get as many raving fans as possible, you know, as a result of that. And it makes it easy to, to you know, just in the normal course of business, to, to ask folks if they have suggestions on who we who else we might be able to help in their ecosystem or their community. So that's been fruitful and is a meaningful source for our sales team. In terms of what you think of as more like, you know, our standalone independent categories of channel, what we've done in those cases that that I think has really been the the source of our success is we took that survey that I mentioned. And then of course we went out and talked to a bunch of these partners. Was that Chris? Was that forty thousand partner contacts that you meant that you did that survey to? That's correct. Yes, that's a lot of partner contacts. It is, and and they're of all sorts. We just did our so we do now do this survey every six months. We just did our most recent one, and and that if you look at the cross section of people that are in those organizations, the biggest 
category of contact in those organizations are sales contacts, followed by service, like account managers, client service sorts of contacts. And then third would be more like management, executive management. And then it kind of trails off from there in terms of other types of roles that we work with. And so what we do with that first one and what we've done with everyone subsequently is we've looked at the major things they told us about what we're doing well, what we're doing poorly, and blue sky, if we could do anything, what would that be? And and the two primary themes that emerged were, A, help us grow our business, and B, make sure you take great care of my clients. And and so what we did is we then turned around as as a partner team to the rest of the business, and we went to product, service, finance, marketing, sales, customer service, our learning and development organization. We went to everybody. And we said, what can you ante up to contribute to one of these things? And of course, we went with specific requests, but that helped us build our partner program. We said, hey, if you want to join our program, then you get access to these benefits. And what we did, and I think this is the core, what I would describe as the core sort of value proposition with our strategy here is we came up with things that were valuable to them that didn't involve paying them. And and coming up basically with a currency that we think would really make a difference to them. And, you know, we think we've cracked the code in a lot of ways there because there's precedent in this industry and a lot of others where referrals have financial payments associated with them. And we've not done that. We've basically provided special benefits to those or the partner organizations, the, the individuals in the organization their broader organization and to the, their clients on the other side that uh, they've, they've they found valuable. And, you know, if you look at the results that we've accomplished in the last two years, we feel pretty good that we've got some of that right. It's always room to improve, but, but basically the idea here was create value that was not currency, but, a, you know, actual monetary currency, but other types of currency. Interesting. So you developed this as a formal partner program. And these referral partners actually have to form formally join. There's some type of process for them to sign up and join the program. That's correct. Now, they to, to get the benefits they do. So we still yeah. work with thousands of organizations that are not part of our program today. And we're yeah. happy to do that all day long. But those that have signed up for our program get a whole set of benefits associated with that. And they're clustered around A, helping them grow their business and B, taking special care of their clients. Interesting. Are there any requirements that on them? They join the program and, and to get the benefits, they have to do something. Well, so no is the simple answer. <laughs> and so what I would tell you is like, okay, think about this, right? You've got people who have never heard the word channel in a lot of cases. Like yeah. they don't, they don't, it's not their domain. They're, they're people who are selling an insurance product or a retirement product or what have you. And, and their organizations are missioned to do that and expand share of wallet so they can make you know, their commissions off of basis points and whatnot. And and so this is just a different vocabulary. So what we did is we said, we got to make the bar really low to entice these people. And so the logic we had was like joining the local health club. You, you walk in, you sign a one page membership agreement and you get the benefits of membership. You can swim laps in the pool. You can do the free weights. You can go over on the treadmills, whatever you want to do or, or whatever you don't want to do. It's, it's up to you, but it's basically a one page. And, and literally, that's what we did. We had a one mm-hmm. page, one sided, one signature agreement, and you're in. Now, 
obviously what what dawns on most people is that if you the more you refer the more benefit you get and so the you know that in fact if they did no referrals they wouldn't really get much of the benefit because right. it ripple through to the rest of their business so that is sort of an implicit requirement but otherwise we tried to make the bar as low as possible to sign up organizations and we found very quickly in the first year that we had this live that it worked. We had major organizations, well, I would say large, medium, and small organizations sign up uh, in droves. And we've seen our performance with those organizations increase pretty dramatically. So I, th- I think that create, setting the bar low was really key. Fascinating. How many partners, these referral partners, do you have? So signed to our program today, we have between three and 400. Three and 400. Okay. So that's not a huge number. Are you managing them? Do you have a channel team, not a channel, a referral team, whatever you want to call it, that actually is like working with these companies? We do. So we, the way we've organized as a, as a group, so we work obviously across the whole business, yeah. in part extracting those commitments that I described that are part of the package. Uh, but, but most significantly, we work deeply with the sales organization. And, and we view these partner relationships as a shared asset for the business. It, it, you know, I don't own them or one of the channel managers doesn't flat out own them. They, they are a, a steward and, and have responsibilities associated with them. But the fact is, is that we've got ownership that's spread across product, service, sales, marketing, et cetera. And the, and the logic is build as many bridges as we can between Paylocity and that partner organization. And then we're durable. We're really going to be long lasting and committed to each other. So, but specifically to answer your question on, on the channel team, we have a group of channel managers that, that are focused on managing the, the biggest, most significant opportunity partners that we have. And they build those relationships, build a business plan and work on developing those relationships to hit partner and Paylocity performance targets over time. Uh, we also have, because the sales organization is as large as they are, and we have as many partners and partner contacts as we have, the other part of the sort of, call it the activation side of what we do in channels mm-hmm. and alliances, is what we call channel sales success. So we've also got a group that faces the sales team to help them be expert at developing and maximizing partner relationships, how to present to them, how to work with them, how to do joint go-to-market with them, et cetera, et cetera. And we load them with a lot of materials. So it's really partner activation with the channel managers and sales activation with the channel sales success team. And then we back that up with an enablement team that that sort of feeds materials and content to them both. And then sort of at the front of the assembly line, we've got what we call category directors that basically wake up in the morning and have to know everything that's going on in that industry segment so that they can continue to evolve our programs to have current value to those partners in that space. So if it's in the retirement space, maybe there's some event or activity that's come up, a change in legislation that creates a window of opportunity for us. And those category directors are updating our programs and generating content that we can feed out through that assembly line, as I described. Interesting. So that's that's a lot of support. I mean, that's kind of the traditional channel type support that you would give your channel partners, right? When we think of channel partner in the traditional sense. So how do you measure channel or partner performance, this referral program performance? Well, like anyone, we measure it in terms of new revenue contribution. Um, And I I would highlight the word new. 
So as I mentioned earlier, we've grown 20% year over year for several years now. And that gets harder and harder as you get to our level of production. And so, you know, we've got hundreds of millions of dollars that we, we are, are posting, you know, in our, in our fiscal year. And, and to grow 20%, you're going to have to contribute quite a bit of new to, to have that happen. So, you know, that, that's, that's been our ultimate measure is, is, has been revenue contribution, the actual dollars. And then, you know, Rob, I'll tell you what was established actually before I got here was a measurement of how much of that contribution is a what percent of the overall contribution of new revenue. So when I came into the business, we were at 27.3% of uh, contribution from channel sourced opportunities to total new sales in the business. Um, today, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a little coy with the specifics as a public uh, company. We, we don't communicate the specifics only that we're over 25%. Um, but I can share with you that we've moved significantly north of that, at least 10 percentage points. And so it's headed in the right direction. And the dollars have kept pace with the the, 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 the pace that we've wanted to be growing the business. So Yeah, because your overall business is growing too. So it's a, it's a right. compound effect there. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you look ahead to our next fiscal that starts on July 1st, our baseline is going to be a minimum of 30% year over year growth from where we end this fiscal year, uh, just to keep pace with the the bar that we're setting for the sales organization. And so if we want to expand our contribution as part of the whole, we'll have to overperform at 35 or 40% growth year over year. Yeah, nice. So for those of us who are used to the, the coin-operated model, it's interesting to say that you've you found non-cash rewards that work. Can you share any of those with us of what you're using? Yeah, absolutely. So in the area of help you grow your business, you know, we've basically provided a, a variety of things. I would say that the centerpiece of that that we found the most success with is kind of like MDF. Uh, you know, it's it's basically dollars to support to support joint go to market activities, and then marketing and sales support that that are paired with that. What I'd tell you is that in the past, you know, the sales organization would would ask for funds and get funds to host partner appreciation events and things like that. Go on a golf outing or what have you, or a happy hour. You could name any number of easy to pull off local things that don't take a lot of logistics support. What what we've done is we actually, we didn't turn that off, but, but we've sort of marginalized it to a bit and said, we've got a bucket of funds available to partners and, and to our sales together. But the requirement is that we both have to be bringing prospects and customers to those events. It has to create opportunity for the partner and for us. And so what we've done is we've, we've got a significant amount of dollars associated with that. And we've come up with a lot of logistical support so that people can put on events and activities of different sorts. It could be a lunch and learn kind of activity, like a, a small seminar for a metro area to learn about the latest trends in you know, hiring or what have you to more fun activities or sponsorships of partner events are a lot of what we end up supporting, but we'll put some marketing muscle behind that to try to help get more attendees at those events. And so that's been the centerpiece of that on the, uh, on the help me grow my business side. We've got a variety of other things that we've done there. We've done some other sorts of contests and incentives that are just sort of fun to build relationships. And 
directionally where we're headed with that is to, you know, leveraging our employee engagement platform that we have here, providing ways for those organizations, our partner organizations to be able to engage with employee populations on an ongoing basis associated with the benefits and their and their products and solutions that they provide. So that that's a pretty exciting direction for that. Through um, the Paylocity platform? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that, that you can engage with the employee population. Uh, here's an example for you is we have a, one of our software modules is called community and you can think of it like a social network, only it's inside the business. And what it does is it allows, you know, we, we I use it all the time, say in the channels and alliances team, we set up groups in there that are topical in nature. So we'll have a, we've got a channel group and we share news and updates and promotional materials and recognition and, and all kinds of things. And it's, a, it's like a news feed. You can get updates. It pops in, into my mobile app. And, and, and so that's a way that, that we're engaging with our set of, of employees. Employers are using that in the same way. And our partner portal allows you basically a backdoor to that so that you could engage with those employees in a variety of ways. And it's seen actually as an augmented benefit for the employers because their employee benefit brokers or their financial advisors associated with the 401k can help the HR department or other leadership functions in the business answer questions and support the employees have a great experience working with them. Flipping over to the give my clients a great experience, what we did uh, were a variety of things. Uh, starting in the sales cycle, what we did is we provide preferential tri- uh, pricing to the employers that are clients of our partners. And, uh, and, and that's done in the name of the partner. So when a price quote goes out or an invoice shows up for them, what they're getting is you know their, their pricing and then a discount associated with that partner. So it kind of creates a little bit of halo stickiness with that partner, with that uh, customer of theirs. In Interesting. That, so, but that one. Yeah. So you're, hey, here's my here's my price. It's a it's a hundred bucks. You're getting a ten percent discount in the name of this partner. Correct. That's that's the idea. As opposed to a resale channel where you're giving that discount to the partner, right? And the partner's Correct. getting it. Correct. Interesting. That's cool. And they like that because, in large part, a lot of these organizations, and we see this in the consulting domain, especially as that ramps up for us, they want to be perceived as a trusted advisor to the employer. And this lets them do that because they're not getting paid. And so with a straight face, you know, they can, they can advocate for us or they may, in a, uh, you know, any other day of the week decide to advocate for someone else, but it creates a little bit of stickiness and a, and a, a halo for them with that client. Now, the other things that we've done that are, I think, you know, even more substantial in terms of the business commitment behind them are providing uh, sort of special services to the clients of those partners. So what does that mean? Well, it, it, while we've got an all-in-one suite, if they have a need to integrate with some other organization, which most of them do, so take the benefit domain, if it, their health, their medical, ancillary, and voluntary benefits, all of those things need to be integrated so that the information from the insurer and the employer are synced up in terms of who's on the plan, what do they need to pay, what el- benefits are they eligible for, all those integrations we, we will give them at no cost 
and we'll also put them in a fast pass line, meaning their integrations get turned on when they need them. And that's seen as a real benefit because that's been an issue in this industry is there's so many integrations needed and a lot of them can't be supported. So we've invested in integration technology and an integration services team that really scale up our ability to quickly turn those on for clients when they need them. We've also created a, basically a hotline for partners. We call it our partner services support line. And we've got a team of people that sit behind that. So if a partner has an issue or a question they, uh, re, to help a client, for example, they can call into that group that sits in the middle of our implementation and service organization. They can answer questions, problem solve, handle an escalation, all those sorts of things, and pr make sure that the client is having that really great experience. So. Those are the major things we're doing in terms of the service side of things. And there's a few other dogs and cats commitments in there, but um, those are the big pieces. Those are some big pieces. How hard was it to get the product team, finance, support, all of these folks on board to giving this preferential treatment for partner source customers? Honestly, I feel like some of it was easy and some of it's hard. It, you know, when I came into the business, it, it, one of the things that I, you know, helped I think people understand was a lot of the things that we already do in the business are the just need to be packaged up and provided as a benefit to the partners. That that made it easier for people to accept and and and, and sign up for and, and get excited about because they're like, oh, I can just do this little extra. And they were seeing it in terms of those financial results I mentioned. They're like, okay, this is important to us. The sales team is growing like mad. We're, we're not only hiring them, but we're raising everyone's quotas, et cetera. And that gets harder and harder. And as a sales-minded organization, people are like, yeah, how can I help? And so it was easy to say, hey, there's shelfware stuff that you already do. We'd like to borrow and package that in combination to provide the partners a benefit. What's been hard is to figure out, okay, if what's the incremental investment that we want people to make? And so we've done what any, I think, good business person would do is, you know, we, we were careful about evaluating all the opportunities, built a business case, have spent time getting alignment across the leadership team, and have then subsequently made good decisions to augment those commitments. And I tell you, in the next 12 months, I, I couldn't be more excited. We've got some stuff cooking that I think is going to be a real game changer with a lot of these partners because these different business units want to step up and are making more significant commitments that are specifically for partners. And I think it's because they see how big the opportunity is out there in the market for us to really take these relationships to the next level. Yeah, that's really cool, Chris. Very innovative. And you've, you've had an opportunity to try out a lot of different things that, that a lot of us in the, in the traditional channels haven't tried, but I'm thinking everything you're describing, we could implement you know, and build a whole new channel for out systems, a referral channel like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's entirely possible that it might be different profiles of organizations. Right. I'll tell you, I, it, in this business, and I did it in the last company I was at, the, for me, the start of it all was the survey to the, the survey. Yeah. And actually, we do a survey to partners and to sales because sales is a decent surrogate. They, they spend time with partners in local markets, whether it's Atlanta, Dallas, Salt Lake City, Boise, everywhere in between. And, and so we take those and see where do we have commonality and that, you know, and I'll tell you, it doesn't feel good sometimes when you get those survey results back, because guess what? The places that they tell you, you need to fix, 
they have a lot more to say about that than the areas that you're doing well in. And so you got to like read the verbatim comments, look for those themes and really, you know, take it to heart. And I, I tell my team, feedback's a gift. It, it tells us exactly where we need to go and you got to tackle the hard stuff. And, you know, that I, I think we're, we're getting there with that. But I would tell you, you know, for OutSale or any other channel or marketer out there, starting with that, you know, getting in the brain of your partner contacts was uh, the key to success for us. Yeah, I believe it. That That's really valuable. Well, great story there. A lot of great uh, tidbits and thoughts for us channel chiefs out there. So jumping track a little bit, Chris, I'm curious. I always love to ask, how did you get into the channel in your, your career path? Yeah, that's, you know, once I got in, I was stuck. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Back in the the late 90s, I had done some work at a consulting service organization that was doing a bunch of work for Intel and and had a chance to work on a big project for them. So this is traditional sort of, you know, tech channel uh, in, in earlier days where they were, the network's product division needed to set up, you know, they wanted to build a website, they wanted to do rewards for the resellers, all that sort of stuff. So I got my first sort of glimmer into it. And then I joined a software company called Requisite Technology, since been acquired and reacquired, uh, you know, and but uh, so you wouldn't recognize the name. But in any case, that's the business where I actually got to step in and do my first legit channel role where it was on me to figure out with a team of people what to set up. And, and my opportunity there was in a joint venture uh, trying to get us into the Asia Pacific region. And so uh, partnered with one of the big trading companies in Japan called Mitsui. And what we did was, you know, built something from the ground up. After we got an agreement done, we figured out how we were going to sell, service, support those clients, set up an organization to do that. And the thing that for me was, you know, kind of got me hooked was I like the complexity of the problem. So it was sort of personally interesting. Secondly, it created so much leverage and like we weren't going to be selling product in Japan or Taiwan or any of these countries that we didn't have people physically present in. And so it got us market access that we wouldn't get otherwise. And lastly, what I would tell you is that the light bulbs just went off in the organization when we started selling at some volume because it was it was money coming in the door that that yeah, granted we took a hit on the margin overall, but we didn't have the staff and everything, so it actually ended up being great for us from a margin standpoint. It, the, the dollars just look a little bit different coming in the door, but once they started flowing it got the business really excited. And in that case, and another one since then, I've been in organizations that actually transitioned from direct to significantly channel because mm -hmm. of that dynamic. So it was yeah. largely, uh, you know, it's not the same thing every day. It, it's a high leverage getting access to market opportunities you wouldn't otherwise. And yeah, that's, that's probably what kept me enthusiastic about channel ever since. Yeah. You're a channel geek. I can tell it in your voice. You're, Absolutely. you're like, you're like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're not geeking out on the channel, what else do you like to do? You live in Colorado, great spot. What do you like to do outside of work? I do. Well, you know, as we've learned from the pandemic, like you can work from anywhere and, and I've enjoyed that for quite a while. The last you know decade plus I've been working remotely from different employers 
And, and the nice thing about Colorado is I can get anywhere direct uh, in the U.S. and elsewhere, which is really nice. But, but what I do enjoy here in Colorado uh, are the skiing, uh, hands down. It's, uh, it's a passion of, of mine and my family's. We, uh, we ski as much as we can year round, more or less. And, uh, and then a lot of the mountain biking and outdoor lifestyle that, that comes with it in the off season. So it's a decent place to, to be anywhere here in the mountain West, to be honest with you. I love getting out there. I just yesterday, I bought a gravel bike. Oh, great. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. I thought it was going to be a couple months, but uh, I found one that was available. So I can't wait to get out there. And I would love to, we'd love to go up to Frisco in Colorado and ride all the trails up there. Oh, there's a lot of great trails up there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, we're, we're getting into it. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny. I was mountain biking this last weekend and I'm literally looking out my office window now and it's snowing. What? So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it can't make up its mind this spring season, but you know, it, the Denver metro area, Boulder down to down to Colorado Springs, there's a decent tech corridor here where we've got access to more and more talent because you see larger software development organizations like Workday, IBM's been here for a long time, and that's helped really augment the the access to talent as people have moved out of you know the sort of the traditional Silicon Valley and and, and other hot spots. So it's it, access to talent has definitely improved here. Yeah, one of my old employers, Arrow. Uh-huh. They moved their headquarters from Long Island down to to the Denver Tech Center. Yep. Which was wonderful. I love that. I love going on business trips out there. <laughs> Very good. All right, Chris, thank you so much. That was a really interesting topic. If people are interested in learning more, are you open to them reaching out to you on LinkedIn or wherever? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad to uh you know, after the that channel focus event that you referenced at the outset, managed to connect with a few few other folks and enjoy that, you know, whether, cause we can always help each other with ideas and whatnot. And, and I I've actually tapped into some of the, the, those folks to ask some questions and, and improve my knowledge to help us solve some of the next set of problems we've got coming up. So hundred percent, you know, you can find me, Chris Westfall out there on LinkedIn and glad to connect and help anyone I can. Awesome. Well, Chris, well, it sounds like we're going to have to have you back in a year to hear what other exciting things you've done in this area. So I'd love it. That'd be fun. I appreciate you fitting me in and it was good to uh, enjoy the, the conversation, Rob. All right. Excellent. Well, when it stops snowing, I hope you get out there on your bike and uh, enjoy those mountain trails. Count on it. All right. See you later. See ya. All right, guys, there you go. I love how much I learn from channel pros like Chris who come on this show. You've probably noticed a common theme in where channel pros like Chris get such great ideas. Where do they come from? The partners, of course. Chris asked his partners what they liked, what they didn't like, and how could Paylocity do better? What could they do better in their program? And that led to this channel referral program that's super simple, easy, and rewards partners with what's most important to them. Great stuff. You can find show notes from today's episode at channeljourneys.com forward slash CJ72. Be sure to subscribe while you're there. Leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. That will really help grow this audience and help us get to that 30K listens in the next six months. Okay, here's a special offer from Magentrix. Check out Magentrix at magentrix.com. And if you decide to try them out, you can receive two months free on an annual contract just by using the discount code SPEEPOD21 when you sign up. So that's a great offer for you. We've got another fantastic guest next episode. He has been a speaker at Channel Focus, longtime career on the channel, and I learned that he actually grew up in the same town where I went to college, at least the first college that I went to. 
We're going to be talking about incentives and what partners want even more than rebates. Really good stuff. You're going to enjoy it. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.